uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Another great week, in fact. Yes, the war continues, despite the fact that there is a ceasefire. A ceasefire now going to be extended another two days at least while more hostages are released. They're confirming that there have been 11 Israeli hostages transferred to Red Cross custody. That's uh, according to the Israel Defense Forces. Uh, What will happen after this uh, temporary ceasefire, which uh, is still supposed to end sometimes this week, ends? Uh, there is a strong debate about what should happen and uh, passionate, passionate concerns that this not be the end of the war because during this period of temporary ceasefire, it only gives Hamas a chance to rearm and reorganize and plot their next savage attack. Speaking of savage attacks... There was a completely pointless, indefensible attack on three college students. By the way, all three going to very prestigious, expensive, top universities. A Brown University and Haverford College outside Philadelphia and Connecticut's Trinity College in in Hartford. All great schools. And uh, the three young men who were shot uh, by a stranger while they were walking to a Thanksgiving gathering were Palestinian-American. Two of them were wearing kafiyas, traditional Palestinian scarves or head coverings, depending on how you wear it. In any event, uh, people have, are now arrested. The police have arrested Jason J. Eaton, who's 48 years old. He uh, lives near the scene of Saturday's shooting in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, he has uh, pleaded not guilty to three counts of attempted murder in the second degree. Uh, The uh, victims were all identified by relatives as um, students at these universities. They were visiting uh, a family member uh, together in uh, uh, Burlington, Vermont, for Thanksgiving. Uh, The the idea that, that this would, the war would be brought home uh, again, we don't know anything about Jason J. Eaton, the 48-year-old guy who was arrested uh, and pleaded not guilty, but we will. Uh, speaking of that, there's catch-up also on other news from last week. Remember the crash on the bridge, the Rainbow Bridge over Niagara Falls connecting the U.S. and Canada. Uh, that happened on Wednesday just before the Thanksgiving holiday killing the driver and his passenger in a fear-inducing incident that shut down several border crossings on one of the busiest travel days of the year. Uh, apparently, all of the various law enforcement agencies and security agencies and spokespeople, there's no evidence of terrorism here at all. The couple who died, and they were a long-married couple, uh, they um, were wealthy people. I mean, they owned a chain of uh, family uh, originally founded uh, hardware stores and paint stores. They lived nearby in an exclusive suburb of Buffalo. I didn't even know there were exclusive suburbs of Buffalo, but of course there would be. Uh, and they were driving a Bentley, a Bentley sedan. I don't know what year it was. 
they say now in the news the Bentley sedan was going up to 100 miles per hour when it rammed into a medium near the checkpoint area of the American side of the Rainbow Bridge at around 11.15 a.m., flying several feet into the air and bursting into a fireball before landing in dozens of pieces, according to federal law enforcement sources. The blast raised concerns of a possible terrorist attack on both sides of the border, but New York Governor Kathy Hochul said later Wednesday that had been ruled out by negotiators, by investigators. They're not negotiating. And um, by the way, the one thing that we have um, now found out about Jason J. Eaton, who was the individual who was arrested for the shooting of the three Palestinian college students. They are all expected to recover, thank God, though some of the wounds are fairly serious, and they're all in the hospital. But Jason J. Eaton, his mother said, unfortunately, he is very religious and spiritual, often reading the Bible. He's also described as a radical citizen, whatever that means. In this case, it's, uh, it means something terrible if anyone wants to try to uh, justify coming up to three young strangers, by the way, two of whom are citizens of the United States, the third of whom is a legal resident of the United States. They're not illegal immigrants. There's no evidence that they were terrorists or in any way involved with anything. Speaking of lack of evidence, uh, George Santos is now comparing himself to biblical figures as he tries to make a last stand against expulsion. Uh, Speaking on an ex-space on Friday, uh, Santos said he had become the Mary Magdalene of Congress. Uh, I I know that there are some people who understand that Mary Magdalene didn't always have the uh, most respectable uh, line of work, but uh, Santos unleashed a long tirade against his colleagues as they're expecting to vote to oust him. His mention of Mary Magdalene likely refers to a woman in the Bible which says she closely followed Jesus Christ and witnessed many of his deeds after he exercised seven demons from her. So uh, is anybody willing to exercise the seven demons from uh, from a young Mr. Santos? I mean, really? Uh, not not at, at all clear. Um, meanwhile, there was a speech that didn't get as much attention as it deserved. Uh, and a a speech by um, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel, uh, making it very clear that no, uh, these temporary ceasefires don't mean that the uh, war is over or that Israel's mission to dismantle Hamas for the sake of future security is over. The uh, government of Israel, the IDF, and the security services will continue the war in order to return home all the hostages, complete the elimination of Hamas, and ensure that there will be no new threat to the state of Israel from Gaza, the statement read. Um, In his remarks at the start of uh, 
an all-night cabinet meeting last week. Prime Minister Netanyahu called the government the agreement a difficult decision, the agreement to get the hostages out in return for releasing convicted uh, Palestinian criminals who were being held in Israeli custody. He says it's a difficult decision, but the right one. All the security forces fully support it. They made it clear in their full professional assessment that the security of our forces will be guaranteed during the days of the ceasefire and that the intelligence effort will be maintained during those days, the premier said. Uh, Netanyahu also emphasized that Israel would continue its mission to topple Hamas in Gaza as soon as the ceasefire expires. We are at war and we will continue the war. We will continue until we achieve all our goals, said the prime minister of Israel. So what does that mean? And what about this new pressure of turning over Gaza to control of the Palestinian Authority? Uh, There's a piece in the Wall Street Journal that explains why that would be a disastrous idea. We'll deal with that and the takeover of a Christmas tree lighting ceremony by pro-Palestinian, well, thugs, pro-Palestinian demonstrators who wouldn't allow the... The lighting of a Christmas tree. Where? We'll tell you. It's surprising a little bit. Coming up on the Medved Show. From politics to pop culture and from coast to coast, this is the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show concerning that troubling incident uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend. It's a, not only a troubling incident, it's a, uh, it's a brutal incident and a criminal incident, an unjustifiable incident, where there were three Palestinian-American students, again, two of them U.S. citizens, one of them a legal resident of the United States, who were going to a family Thanksgiving gathering. And uh, with extended family and uh, all three uh, students in good standing at uh, very prestigious universities. And they were shot. And they were shot by uh, an individual 48 years old. And we'll give you more about uh, Jason Eaton when uh, we find out about it. He's pleaded not guilty to shooting those three college students. The mayor of Burlington, whose name is Myro Weinberger, uh, by the way, you know the most famous mayor of Burlington, former mayor of Burlington, is Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Uh, It is by far the largest city in Vermont. And the uh, students were there visiting uh, uh, friends, uh, apparently at the University of Vermont. Uh, and and plus they have a family connection. But uh, the uh, statement by the mayor of Burlington, uh, Mira Weinberger, sounded like this. Listen. Not only has the U.S. attorney been extremely supportive throughout this event, the federal government has provided enormous technical resources and law enforcement capacity throughout And I have received direct support from the White House and the Department of Homeland Security as well as we navigated this unprecedented event. In fact, um, one of the reasons that this event got, this press conference got started a little bit late is that I just had an extended phone call with President Biden. 
It was my honor to thank the President for his leadership and caring for our community and for the victims of this terrible crime. And it was also my honor to make clear to him the critical role that federal partners have played in securing this quick arrest. And uh, uh, again, that uh, seems to be proceeding apace. Um, meanwhile, there was a, another incident uh, here, <laughs> right here at home. It's actually in Seattle, and uh, it's just an unbelievable thing. Uh, people know Westlake Plaza. It's the uh, that open area where uh, they have various celebrations there, and most notably Christmas celebrations. They have a large tree in front of Westlake Plaza. And they have a huge light that you can see from Westlake Plaza, which is in the form of a star, which is placed on the old Macy's building, uh, which used to be the Bon Marche building in Seattle. It's all a historic corner of downtown Seattle and, and particularly festive for holiday season. And they were getting ready to light a gigantic Christmas tree. They had a number of groups who were going to be singing holiday songs. And again, nothing political until until a group of uh, pro-Palestinian, uh, anti-Israel thugs uh, decided to disrupt the tree lighting ceremony at Westlake Center. Unbelievable. This is a report from uh, Cairo uh, TV7. Uh, from Friday. Listen. A crowd of protesters have just taken over the tree lighting ceremony at Westlake Center. Thanks for joining us this evening. I'm Didi Sun. Let's get right out to Cairo 7's Louis Tran. And Louis, the crowd appears to be pro-Palestinian protesters. What else can you tell us? Yeah, Didi, that's correct. Now, you do see pro-Palestine supporters right behind me here in downtown Seattle. Now, we were originally here to cover the downtown Christmas lighting, but they came here about 20 minutes ago. For context, this is at the intersection of Pine Street and 4th Avenue as well, right in front of the Westlake Center. Now, the iconic Christmas trees to the right and the pro-Palestine supporters have taken over the street and also the downtown Seattle Association stage to the left as well. Right now, they are chanting messages. They are holding their signs. For context, they marched down Pine Street from 5th Avenue all the way to the intersection of Pine Street and 4th Avenue. Now, when this happened, I was actually interviewing the organizer of the Downtown Seattle Association about the Christmas tree lighting, and they came about 20 minutes ago, and they rushed away to address this right now. So I did talk to people, and they tell me that these people do have the right to protest, while some people tell me that this is, does put a damper on the holiday event right here. So we'll be here all evening keeping a close eye on this developing story. Okay, the developing story, the... Uh... <laughs> The the climax was they actually lit the tree, but the songs and the performances and everything else that had been planned to go on that stage, they uh, didn't decide to retake the stage by force. Uh, this is appalling. Uh, by the way, it's not just Seattle. In New York City, uh, one of my favorite corners of New York City, uh, and it's always been this way. I mean, since I made my first visits to New York uh, as an early teenager is the Central Library, the uh, library with the big lions in front of it. It is now actually uh, named after a college classmate of mine. It is the Stephen Schwartzman uh, 
public library. And uh, it's right on 42nd Street and uh, 5th Avenue in Manhattan. And beautiful building, completely defaced and and trashed. Why they would attack a public library? Is it uh, that and basically from the river to the sea, all of Palestine will be free and uh, more slogans about uh, Israel being an evil cancer and has to be destroyed. Okay, this is not an Israeli facility. Uh, This is a public library. And uh, apparently they are saying that uh, covering over the blood or fake blood that was thrown on the public library and, and trying to repair the damage by the protesters is going to cost at least $75,000. That's, of course, public money. I I, I mean, honest to goodness, honest to goodness, are we here in the United States? Who would have thought? uh, Yeah, over 60 arrested across New York City at protests over the conflict uh, a week after deadly terrorist attacks. Uh, Meanwhile... Uh, Merrick Garland spoke on the release of an American hostage. The American hostage was four years old. She had just had her birthday this Friday. And she looks like a beautiful little girl. Her name is Avagail Idan. Uh, And uh, again, thank God she is back with her family, but she still lived through having her mother and her father. Her father was holding her. Uh, gunned down in front of her, killed. We will be right back, putting it all in context. And what happens after the war? Debate on that. Coming up on the Medved Show. It's outrageous what's going on out here. The Michael Medved Show. On the Michael Medved Show, Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, spoke about the release of the first American hostage to be released. That's the little girl who had just celebrated her fourth birthday on Friday. Uh, her name is Avigail Idan, and uh, she came home to her uncle and her aunt. Her parents uh, were killed in front of her. And... Uh, Attorney General Garland spoke about the release of that hostage. Uh, listen, clip four. Well, these kinds of meetings between the Justice Department and our law enforcement partners are always important. The current global threat environment makes this one particularly urgent. Over the past several days, over 40 hostages who were kidnapped by Hamas on October 7th have been released. Among them is Abigail Idan, a four-year-old American. We welcome Abigail's return and hope to see the return of more hostages in the days to come. The Justice Department's victim services offices, including our Office for Victims of Crime and the FBI's Victim Services Division, stand ready to provide assistance to released Americans and to their families. 
We also remain committed to working with our partners across the U.S. government to secure the return of all missing Americans, including those still held hostage. And uh, we don't know exactly how many of the hostages still missing uh, are American. One of the few uh, male hostages uh, who have been released, there were actually uh, 11 Thai nationals who were working as farm workers in southern Israel, and they were taken as hostages. And the government of Thailand helped to get them priority for their release. And there was one hostage uh, male, for only Israeli male apparently released so far. He was a uh, young man who had joint Russian and uh, Israeli citizenship. And uh, the Hamas announced that uh, they were uh, releasing him as a gesture to honor President Putin of Russia. Uh, naturally. Naturally. The uh, 58 hostages apparently have been uh, either released or are about to be released so far. And according to the agreement that uh, both... Uh, Hamas and uh, the Israeli Defense Forces are prepared to honor. The ceasefire will continue one day for every 10 additional hostages to be released. And they have now agreed to continue for uh, two days more with another 20 hostages to be released. I, I believe that makes would make a total of over 70 uh, and again we don't know exactly who is holding the other hostages or how many there are or where they are uh, obviously this is uh, John uh, Kirby the White House security spokesman uh, from the National Security Council Here, Rear Admiral Kirby had this to say about Hamas and its commitment we think the number is, um, well, it's less than 10, probably in the neighborhood of, you know, about eight to nine. Um, but we don't necessarily have firm, solid information on each and every one of them. And why haven't the two American women who are with, the, with Abigail, what, what happened with that? Why haven't they been released? Well, we certainly hope that we'll see them uh, in, 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 in hopefully today. And if not today, certainly over the next couple of days, we want to see them back with their families where they belong as well. The, the lists are developed by Hamas, uh, and then, of course, there's, the Israelis develop their list of Palestinian prisons that they're going to release. And we're not involved in the specific drafting of the lists and the determination on Hamas's side of who's going to come out on any given day. Obviously, we want to see those two American women released as soon as possible. And the truce being extended two days, what, what happens now? Do you want to get like three days next or a permanent truce? What, what, what's the thing? It's like I said in my opening statement, Steve. We're, we're grateful that we've got an extra two days to work with here. That'll, that'll result in the release of 20 more into 20 individuals, yes. women and children. And as I said uh, right at the top, we'd certainly like to see even that extension extended further uh, until all the hostages are released. That's really the goal here, get all the hostages home with their families where they belong. Okay. Uh, and again, uh, is it – given the, the brutality of what occurred and the brutal nature of taking people in their 70s and their 80s and, and people who are below the age of 
10, there's another nine-year-old little girl who was released. I mean, the entire thing is so brutal and awful. And the idea that one of the hostages who has been released has narrated that the worst part was being in these dark tunnels. Uh, They were fed only bread and rice. I mean, not that this is the worst thing comparable to uh, wounds or death, but uh, a number of the hostages, uh, older people, uh, lost as much as 15 pounds during the days that uh, they were held in near-starvation conditions in dark and apparently extremely smelly tunnels. Uh, The uh, 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 amazing thing about uh, what happens next has been the suggestion by some people, and they're not stupid people, they're people who tend to be on the left, the extreme left, uh, saying that what should happen to Gaza after the fighting has stopped and after presumably Hamas is basically demilitarized its military potential, its uh, uh, potency in terms of doing any other surprise attacks or attacks of any kind on, on Israel would be dissipated, would be destroyed. That's the goal. But uh, after that, is it a good idea to turn uh, Gaza over to the Palestinian Authority? There is an extremely persuasive piece that's frankly changed my mind on this issue. It's by Eugene Kantorovich and Itamar Marcus, who um, – Kantorovich is a professor at George Mason University Scalia Law School – and a scholar at the Kohelet Policy Forum. Kohelet means Ecclesiastes. That's uh, at the Jerusalem uh, Center where that occurs. And Mr. Marcus is a director of Palestinian Media Watch. And uh, they write in the Wall Street Journal today, Fatah, the Palestinian Authority, which is part of the group Al-Fatah, Fatah. Fatah is a junior varsity version of Hamas. Both have lethal policies when it comes to Israel. The Palestinian Authority sponsors the pay to slay salary program that provides financial rewards to terrorists who get more lavish payouts for crimes that result in longer imprisonment. As recently as October 2nd, an official Palestinian Authority TV broadcast showed Uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the 88-year-old president of the Palestinian Authority, saying, Our martyrs, prisoners, and wounded are the most sanctified that we have. Our martyrs have a right to this money. Fatah has celebrated and glorified the October 7th orgy of torture and murder. The party has boasted that its members directly participated in the invasion, crossing into Israel and brutalizing civilians. A video shown on a West Bank-based telegram channel that has been repeatedly cited by official Fatah sources shows the terrorists with the yellow headbands of Fatah's Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade firing Kalishnikovs while assaulting an Israeli kibbutz. Uh, Doesn't it strike you as strange that a Martyrs Brigade would, would be the name of a crack military outfit. 
more on uh, what happens in Gaza after the war. Coming up on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved show uh, here at home, uh, the presidential campaign continues. And uh, there's a, a an interesting poll that was just released uh, that talks about how excited people are about the upcoming election. Now, I, I know people who are excited, but the people I know who are excited, uh, including myself to a great extent, are not excited in a good way. Uh, I mean, the likely election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden uh, leaves very little room for inspiration or hopefulness. Uh, I mean, there are so many, many, many problems with both of those major candidates and uh, one more than the other. But uh, uh, the um, there's a piece by Jeff Dufour, who's editor in chief of Hotline, and he does the Sunday Nightcap, which came out last night. And he says, you may have seen plenty of political enthusiasm around the dinner table this weekend, but your great uncle's Facebook fueled passion won't give us much more than anecdotal info as we try to get a read on the 2024 election. Fortunately, there are some hard data coming out on voter enthusiasm from reputable pollsters. This month, 58% of voters told the Fox News poll they were extremely interested in the 2024 presidential election. Another 23% were very interested. That means you have 81% of voters who, at least to make themselves sound good, uh, tell pollsters, oh, yeah, I'm really interested in the election. These numbers were almost identical to the responses Fox got in the fall of 2019, a year before the 2020 election, where at that time, 59%, almost exactly the same number, said they were extremely interested, and 23% were very interested. And that resulted in a record turnout. The turnout was terrific. In 2020, in 2020, for Biden versus Trump, uh, the uh, uh, there were 66.8 percent of eligible adults actually cast votes. And that compares to Biden versus Hillary back in 2016. That was 61.4 percent. So it was a big increase. And what uh, what Jeff Dufour points out, and I think it's fascinating, actually, is when the crosstabs break down the numbers by party, however, there's been a decided shift. In 2019, uh, Democrats were um, more likely to be extremely interested, uh, 65% of them, compared to only 60% of Republicans. Uh, this year, we see the reverse. Fifty nine percent of Democrats say they're extremely interested compared to 64 percent of the Republicans. Now, why would that be? Why would it be that Republicans would be so much more excited this time? Uh, it, uh, yes, both Biden and Trump are weak candidates, but they have a, a very good explanation. 
it's really tough to be excited about an election where there's no real choice. And uh, Dean Phillips, which is a name that nobody knows, uh, who is a congressman from Minnesota, who just announced, by the way, that he's not running for re-election. He's one of 21 Democrats who are calling it quits and checking out of the House of Representatives, which actually gives the Republicans a, a good shot to hold control of the House because there are so many more Democrats, 21 Democrats and 11 Republicans, who are quitting Congress. But in any event, the, the point about this, I mentioned Dean Phillips because he's the only opposition within the Democratic Party. And here we're going through primary season and we won't even have our first caucuses until the Iowa caucuses coming up on January 15th. And uh, with all of that, there's a lot of candidates on the Republican side. And yes, you may love President Trump. But there are other people who are very enthusiastic about Nikki Haley, some about Chris Christie, uh, some about Ron DeSantis. Uh, there's, a, there's a campaign going on. Just as four years ago, there was a campaign going on on the Democratic side, so people were more excited about it. It was Joe Biden and a ton of other people, including uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, which you remember, and Pete Buttigieg, which you remember – and uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, you had Amy Klobuchar, a senator from Minnesota. All of those people were running on the Democratic side. And on the Republican side, it was only Trump. So last time, Democrats were more excited. This time, where there really is only one candidate on the Democratic side, that would be Joe Biden. It is uh, the Republicans who are more excited. There is another item and uh, it's actually reported by the hotline about funding and uh, right now people are looking not only at the presidential race but at the very very great chance that the Republicans can take control of the US Senate that's largely because of the uh, situation in West Virginia where Joe Manchin, uh, the incumbent senator from West Virginia, former governor of the state of West Virginia, and a moderate Democrat, uh, he was even running behind as the incumbent. So one of the reasons he said he's not running. And basically, the even the official Democratic Party is treating the West Virginia Senate race as kind of a gimme. The governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice, is um, running on the Republican side. He has a primary opponent who is a member of Congress from West Virginia, uh, who has a support of the Club for Growth. But it is very, very likely that the Republicans will pick up at least that one seat. Uh, there's another projection about uh, that shows basically the Republicans have a good chance to take control of the Senate. And in the House, the uh, Democrats are handicapped by so many Democrats who are either running away from the House or running for something else. One of the seats that the Democrats are likely to lose is a seat uh, in a district that Trump carried – a seat that's held by Abigail Spanberger, who is now running for governor of Virginia. And you may say, oh, well, she'll have to run against Glenn Youngkin. They have term limits in Virginia. You're only allowed to serve one term as governor. 
So Youngkin is not there, and it's unclear who the Republican candidate will be. Uh, there is so much more uh, about the perspective on this war and the way it is reverberating at home. There is a, um, a doctor, very prominent, who was fired, and he is now suing for wrongful termination. He was fired because he sent out what was considered to be explosive material about the war in the Middle East. Except his explosive material was some political cartoons showing Hamas as terrorists and showing Americans looking foolish for uh, justifying Hamas. Uh, Should somebody lose your job over that when what he's working on is breast cancer research at Langone Hospital in New York City? We will get to that story. Uh, There is also more on Nikki Haley, publicity everywhere. As Nikki Haley has risen in the polls, so has her viability among top political donors, according to the New York Times. Uh, Some donors are describing Haley's candidacy as one that's creating enthusiasm among party leaders. Uh, GOP donor Eric Levine told the New York Times that Trump's air of inevitability has peeled away completely. Uh, Is that true? Uh, There are many others who believe that Trump is just as inevitable as always. There was actually an American conservative. There was a piece uh, that uh, spoke about the hysteria on the left about the various things that Trump plans to do. And basically, it it criticizes people on the left for claiming that Trump's main focus is going to be retribution and getting even with bad guys. He's the one who said, I am your retribution. He said, I am your voice. I am your justice. I am your retribution. For goodness sake. He's also said that he will pledge to root out the uh, bad guys, and he makes a list of the Marxists and socialists and communists who live as vermin in the United States. Uh, With all the different and disparate and strange people who live here, we remain, however, this greatest nation on God's green earth.